got five races to go. That is it. And the world championship is closer and closer to being decided. Formula One going to the circuit where Red Bull is favored. Well, we also thought the Mercedes would have the upper hand in Austin. The Mexico Grand Prix is a homecoming for Sergio Perez and could extend the championship for his teammate Max Verstappen. It also could be a turnaround for Lewis Hamilton, who finished behind Verstappen in the last two races. This is our Mexico Grand Prix preview here at the Overtake F1 podcast. We have our five things to watch out for in Sunday's race. We'll also have our track talk segment where we'll go over the circuit and we'll have our top five and bottom five from the U.S. Grand Prix. Subscribe to the podcast if you like what we do. Leave a five-star review. You can also like us on Facebook at the Overtake F1 Podcast. And we're also now on Twitter at F1 Overtake Pod. That's where you can find us on Twitter. So please like us there. All right, full disclosure, this was supposed to be put up Tuesday or Wednesday earlier this week. I got hit with a massive cold, a massive cold. I was actually in bed for two days. I couldn't do my radio show, just completely wiped out. So my voice is a little off today, but I definitely wanted to get this in because we're at the exciting time of Formula One. We are heading down the, the home stretch. Formula One returning to Mexico City this week. Another race like Austin that was not on the 2020 calendar. It is a critical event in the chase for the championship because Lewis Hamilton trails Max Verstappen by 12 points in a fight that has gone on since race one at Bahrain back in March. We have seen each driver grab momentum only to see the other snatch it right back. And right now the momentum is in Max Verstappen's camp. Go back to Sochi, for example. That was a race that was won by Hamilton. But Verstappen, who started in the back, due to an engine upgrade, he finished second in the rain. Got that, got those intermediate tires on kind of early when everybody else was still on slicks and allowed him to move up the field. So he absolutely minimized the damage at Sochi. Go to Turkey, for example, Verstappen finishing second. Hamilton finishes fifth. Had that controversy of when he should pit, when he should stay out. And then you had Austin, where Red Bull successfully used an undercut to get the win at a track many thought would benefit Mercedes. Verstappen actually started on pole position, lost the lead, went into the pits early, regained the lead. Then when he had the lead, he went back into the pits and Hamilton stayed out, tried to catch him towards the end on fresher tires. But Max Verstappen takes the checkered flag. So you can even go further back in the season. Uh, Max wins a rained-out event at Belgium. He wins from the pole position at Zandvoort. They both crash out at Monza. It's been Verstappen that has found the way in each race to either gain an edge over Hamilton or to minimize the damage when Lewis has the advantage. So here we are with five races to go, and the points differential is 12. And Mercedes will do what they can to prevent Max from building a huge lead at both Mexico and Brazil. Two tracks that are at altitude that benefit Red Bull and the Honda engine. It is believed that Mercedes may have an edge at the new circuits at Qatar and Saudi Arabia. And then, of course, they'll face off at Dubai at the end of the season. So here are the five things to watch for for Sunday's Mexico Grand Prix. Let's get started. Number one, this is going to be the Sergio Perez party. It is going to be crazy for hometown favorite Sergio Perez. Mexico, of course, loves him. He loves them back. It's his home country. And now that he's driving for Red Bull, the focus on his performance takes an even bigger meaning. The track is going to allow for a festive atmosphere at every turn. We'll discuss more about that in our track, in our track talk segment. There's a stadium atmosphere when the drivers head into the final few corners before the start-finish line. 
But that aside, this is once again an opportunity for teammates to be part of the championship fight. Max and Lewis ran away from the field in Austin, but Perez did get a podium and was sort of involved in the strategic element on how Max won that race. Valtteri Bottas could not help Lewis at all because he had started again further back. So for Perez, this is his second straight podium after finishing third in Turkey. And the other thing to watch out for, and this is number two on our list, is McLaren and Ferrari battling again. What a show these two teams put on in Austin. Maybe the battle for P3 in the Constructors' Championship is not exciting for a lot of you, but it is extremely important. This is where the money gets shelled out. All four of the drivers finished in the top 10 of the race for the, both of those teams, with Charles Leclerc finishing fourth. And they provided some excellent racing on the track in Texas. Now they go to Mexico, McLaren leading Ferrari by just three and a half points. The Ferrari engine has shown great results for the team. Mexico is a circuit that features corners that have suited the Scuderia as well this season. Now, I'm not going to say they have a chance to win, but if there is going to be another team other than Red Bull and, and Mercedes to be on top of the podium, don't be surprised if it's Ferrari. Now, as for McLaren, Daniel Ricciardo has raced in every single Grand Prix in Mexico City since it came back on the calendar in 2015. Lando Norris has only had one previous F1 race at that circuit. Number three, and I think this goes without saying, but the thing to watch for is what the result of the race is going to be. If Max Verstappen wins, he could extend his points lead by seven, eight if he gets the fastest lap. And if Hamilton, and that's if, if Hamilton finishes second, if Hamilton finishes further down the field, that lead is going to grow considerably. It could possibly give him a 20-point lead in the championship with four races left. Now, there's a lot that's been talked about concerning the high altitude of Mexico and how it benefits Red Bull and their Honda engines. Max Verstappen has won this race twice, but so has Lewis Hamilton, most recently in 2019, the last time the Grand Prix was held in Mexico City. But however, if you remember that race, Verstappen got the pole position, suffered a three-place grid penalty. Hamilton used some tire strategy uh, to beat out Sebastian Vettel in the Ferrari for the victory. It's, it's not really a Mercedes strong track, despite the fact that Hamilton has won there. Um, in a Mercedes car. The other thing to watch for in this race is will Verstappen protect the 12-point lead? Will he go for the gaps that are risky? This race could extend his points lead considerably, but remember, he also had a 32-point lead at Silverstone, and that was all practically wiped out when he had a DNF and Hamilton got the victory. If his lead is near 20 heading to Brazil, it's going to be difficult, not impossible, but difficult for Hamilton to catch him. Number four in the thing to watch for in the Mexico Grand Prix is going to be setups and strategy. Mexico City sits nearly a mile and a half above sea level. And for anyone that's ever been there or at other high altitude cities, you know, that could mean when you work out. I used to live in Denver for 10 years and I would warn incoming relatives and friends about the lack of oxygen. The same does apply to F1 engines. The turbos have to spin faster. They're prone to reliability issues. You also have to take into account high temperatures and cooling. That could be an issue as well. And also, could this race come down to some strategic element in terms of pit? Will anyone use a two-stop strategy, for example? Charles Leclerc did it in 2019. He finished fourth in that race. Will anyone use a soft compound tire? Now, these are not likely, but they're not out of the question when it comes to the race in Mexico City. Number five, this is also the start of a triple header. It's Mexico, Brazil, Qatar over the next three weeks. Teams are going to want to get off to a good start for whatever battle they're currently in, whether it's for the championship, P3 in the constructors, or any other battle. Next week, it's Brazil. It's another track that did not get a run in 2020, followed by two new circuits. Abu Dhabi is the only one that was run last year. Qatar and Saudi Arabia are going to be brand new. 
Some of the battles in the points race, you've got Sergio Perez leading Lando Norris by one. Charles Leclerc leads his teammate Carlos Sainz by five and a half. Alpine leads AlphaTauri by 10 for P5 in the constructors. You're going to start seeing teams wanting to make a good push during this triple header because you don't know where the things could fall apart in Mexico or Qatar over the next three races. All right, let's get to the track talk segment where we go over the circuit. The Mexico City circuit, the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, has 17 turns with its real feature, the altitude of the track. We talked about it earlier, but this is going to be a different circuit in terms of setup. The features are long straight at the start. They have three DRS zones. The final sector of the track runs through a stadium or crowds surround the corners, present an atmosphere that's like nowhere else on the Formula One. Calendar. The start of the race will have the cars accelerating down a really long straight to the first three corners. It's a simple three turn bend before another high speed straight. Turn four is a tight left hander that quickly leads to a right hander in turn five before they get to a hairpin right hander at turn six. Now, there's another short straight, but that's really fast, and that leads to turns 7 through 11, which is a series of weaves or S's as they head to the stadium portion of the track. Turn 13, a slow left-hander. They're going to get right down on the, uh, on the brakes to make that left-hander, heading into two small changes in direction before they go under a grandstand connector. If you're new to Formula One, you've probably seen this in videos. It is, it's a fantastic atmosphere. It really is. Uh, the final two turns, uh, they'll head into the final two turns before the start-finish line. Relatively fast lap around the track. 115 is good for pole position runs. It runs 4.3 kilometers. The race will have 71 laps. Pirelli will be using the mid-range of the compounds, C2 for the hards, C3 for the mediums, C4 for the softs. That is the same range that they used in 2019. Expect that the track to be pretty green on Friday for practice. The circuit has not been used a lot, so you should see some cars sliding around, but as more rubber is laid down on the circuit, it shouldn't be a problem for Sunday's race or in qualifying on Saturday for that matter. Likely a one-stop race, but a two-stopper could be in play. Charles Leclerc used one in 2019. He finished fourth as i mentioned earlier so i expect a really festive atmosphere for this race i do expect red bull to win i do think it's max verstappen's race to lose but with five races to go and that sort of belief that you know you never know anything can happen we thought red bull uh, was going to have the disadvantage in austin and instead mercedes took the checkered flag maybe there's a twist here and and mercedes finds their way on top of the podium again lewis hamilton albeit there were some you know, Max Verstappen taking a grid penalty and a good strategy on the tires that allowed him to win in 2019. So although they're not expected to be doing well here, they, they have won here before. All right, it's time to get into top five and bottom five from the United States Grand Prix from Austin, Texas. And once again, I'm still dealing with the cold, so this is not my normal voice. So please forgive me. I just desperately wanted to get this Mexico Grand Prix preview out there. So I'm going to continue along on our top five, bottom five. We start with the bottom first, and then we move up into the top. Bottom five, we're going to start with number five, and that's Lewis Hamilton. All right, I know. It was, it was a P2 and a second behind the race winner. How could that be? Uh, but it's true. This was not the outcome Mercedes was looking for coming out of Austin. What could have been one or two point advantage going into Mexico, it's now a 12 point deficit. That's the difference between winning and losing the race. The strategy was there, but in the end, Hamilton couldn't close that gap. He had the Grand Prix been a little bit longer, maybe he would have caught and passed Verstappen. But he was never a threat to pass Red Bull. And now he's looking up at Max with five races to go. And I know Max got the benefit of the DRS when he was approaching on the back end of Mick Schumacher, 
And that really helped him get away from Hamilton towards the end. But let's be honest, Hamilton was never on the back bumper with those fresher tires. He never was on the back bumper and credit Verstappen for the for knowledge of how to manage your tires to hold off a seven time world champion like Lewis Hamilton towards the end. Number two, Pierre Gasly, because this has been a real roller coaster. A few races for Gasly at a DNF in Austin after the team noticed some suspension problems. This was his second retirement in four races. It came after he had a very good run at Turkey. Don't forget, remember, Pierre Gasly at Turkey was the, the car that Mercedes was watching to see whether or not Hamilton needed to pit or not for the fresher tires. Could he hold off Pierre Gasly if he had the, the old tires out in Istanbul Park? So it's been a roller coaster for Pierre Gasly, but an early DNF, he was out. It didn't really hurt AlphaTauri in their race with Alpine and the constructors because Alpine is the number three team. Uh, three, I should say number three on my bottom five. Esteban Ocon and Fernando Alonso both had to retire from the race. Ocon went out early, but Alonso had a very eventful Grand Prix. Started 19th with a grid penalty, moved up to 11th, had a battle with Kimi Raikkonen, but retired on lap 49 with a broken rear wing, which almost caused him to crash. But it's still no points for Alpine in this race with AlphaTauri in the constructors battle. Uh, they both, neither one of them made it to the finish line. So number two on my bottom five list, that's going to be Williams. It was technically a home race for the team now that they're owned by Derilliton Capital, a U.S. based company. But neither Nicholas Latifi or George Russell had really anything for the Grand Prix. Latifi got into a spin early, the tagged Lance Stroll. And even though he got squeezed, you know, it was still an accident and it still cost him some spots. Williams had shown some promise this season, but this was not the race that showed that. Both drivers even said they really didn't have the pace for the uh, circuits of the Americas. Number one in Antonio Giovinazzi. And this might be a reoccurring three theme in the bottom five because the Italian driver is fighting for his seat. And it is starting to look more and more like he will not keep it. The rumors around that second Alfa Romeo seat continue to heat up. A P11 outside the points didn't help his case. Good on-track battle with Fernando Alonso, but I fear that he will not be Valtteri Bottas' teammate next season. So again, a quick recap going five all the way down to number one, five, Lewis Hamilton, two, Pierre Gasly, three, the entire team at Alpine, four, the entire team at Williams, and number five, Antonio Giovinazzi. All right, so now let's get to the best of the best. This is our top five from the U.S. Grand Prix, and starting with number five all the way to number one, and number five is Yuki Sonoda. This was a points finish for Sonoda. He didn't make a mistake in Austin. Gasly was out early along with the uh, two Alpine drivers, even though Fernando was late in terms of his retirement, but he helped the team in their battle with Alpine in the constructors race. He also had an impressive defense against Valtteri Bottas, who's trying to move himself up the field. He secured his first points win in the second half. Number four, and that's Daniel Ricardo. First of all, he loves Austin and Austin loves him. Ricardo's loved everywhere, but he loves Texas. He also got to drive the late Dale Earnhardt's number three Wrangler car as Zach Brown came through on that promise for winning at Monza. He is a fan favorite in America. He was on the Ellen DeGeneres show. He finished fifth. And I had a chance to talk to Fox Sports' Jeff Hammond on my radio show to preview the NASCAR finale that'll be this weekend in Phoenix. Hammond was a crew chief. He was, he's worked in NASCAR for so long. Now he's a television broadcaster. And we talked about Dale Earnhardt and his presence in the sport. And just to listen to that crowd when Ricardo was going on the track in the Wrangler number three, it says a lot about Ricardo, of course. Again, fan favorite in Austin and people who were there and who knew that he had an opportunity to do this. But I think it also said a lot about how we, especially in America, still revere Dale Earnhardt, how much he impacted auto racing even 20 years after his passing in 2001. 
Number three, Charles Leclerc. And I'm taking Leclerc because of the big second story of the U.S. Grand Prix was Ferrari. It was the Ferrari-McLaren battle. Leclerc came on top of that four-driver showdown. I thought it was fantastic. I've been talking about this all season long, about these two teams fighting for P3. We can all get caught up in the championship run, and rightfully so. But this is a real legit battle between these two iconic teams. Leclerc finished ahead of all of the other three drivers for McLaren and Ferrari. So he gets number three on my top five. Number four, that's Sergio Perez. Checo finishing P3. It gives Red Bull a yet another dual podium. He also did it without his drink mechanism working. You probably heard that immediately after the race. He also did the smart thing on the first lap when Max Verstappen went wide as a good teammate. He kind of let Max pass him coming into the S's so that Max could get a clear shot at Lewis Hamilton. He wasn't going to be in the way of a teammate pursuing a championship. There was a strategic element early when he pitted as to trying to force Lewis Hamilton's hand to pit. So there was a lot of things that, that Sergio did early in the race. I know later on he kind of you know backed off a little bit. He finished well behind those two leaders, but did get a P3. Oh, and again, just in case you didn't remember, he did it without having a drink. It was great. Really great for checkout. But number one, of course, is going to be Max Verstappen. This was a masterclass in driving and strategy. They made the undercut work, they made the undercut work after losing the race on, on turn one. And then on the first stint of tires, he had the pressure on him. And then he came in earlier than Hamilton for the second set. He was able to hold back Hamilton on older tires that preserved it until the end when he needed them the most. He also got Red Bull to win at a track Mercedes dominated in the past. And as we talked about earlier, there was a dynamic shift in points. This is a 12-point lead heading into Mexico. It could have been a Hamilton lead had Hamilton won that race. And if he had gotten the fastest lap to boot, we could be talking about Hamilton leading the championship instead of Verstappen with a double-digit lead, albeit 12 points, but still a double-digit lead. That's the difference between first and second in Austin. And Max Verstappen knew that and made it work, and he got the checkered flag. So he gets the number one on the top five. And don't get me wrong, and if you're just kind of new to this podcast, we don't always give the number one spot, just like driver of the day, doesn't automatically go to the winner. In this case, it does because of what he did on the track and to get that victory. All right, one other news and notes uh, that I want to get to before we close out this podcast. A little bit shorter than most. Again, my voice, because I was sick this week, uh, really kind of straining, but thanks for hanging in there. Uh, we could see up to six sprint races next season with the possible expansion of the points awarded in those sprint races. Right now, just the top three finishes in these sprint races uh, that we've seen at Silverstone, that we've seen at Monza, that we're going to see in Brazil are given points. That could change. They seem to like this. And I think there's there's twofold arguments that are going on here. One, they absolutely want to beef up the, the weekend. Promoters really want this. Like, race promoters really want this. So I think you're going to see Formula One expand it. Even though guys like me have been very kind of critical about it, we weren't really settled on it, hasn't really produced sort of the extra level of excitement. It's had its good moments. Don't get me wrong. It's had some bad moments too, like anything else. But I, I think that I'm more of a fan of the traditional qualifying method, the Q1, Q2, Q3. I, I like that. I, maybe I'm old school and maybe the younger generation loves what Formula One is doing with sprint qualifying races. But there's no question that this is going to be here to stay. If they're already talking expansion after one year, they've got good feedback on it. They've heard from the promoters that have done it. And have liked it. They're hearing from promoters who are seeing it from the outside and wanting it. And I know Steph, uh, Stefano Domenicali would probably like to make that entity happy. And that's probably why you're going to see more of it. Now, look, obviously, this is not a deal breaker for me. If we got more sprint qualifying races, fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I just wanted to see how it would look in its first year. I wasn't that impressed. Doesn't mean I won't be impressed in the future. 
But auto racing changes all the time. Formula One is no different. NASCAR does it all the time. IndyCar races do it all the time. They change the way they structure their sport to a new taste. I mean, look at NASCAR, for example. You, you look about what's going on this weekend. Four drivers have a chance to win the championship coming up on Sunday in Phoenix. Four. This wasn't a points battle. This was a points battle until you got to the playoff. And then when you got to the playoff, then there was a second points battle, much like we do in other sports here in the United States. And for the United States audience, they're accustomed to that. They actually like that. They wanted to see um, a sport that went down to the final race. And we see it in Formula One. We see it in IndyCar. We see it in, we saw it in NASCAR for years and years and years. What was just a long, long points battle that sometimes the, the, the championship was wrapped up with a couple of races left on the calendar. And that wasn't where NASCAR wanted to go. So Formula One is not going to ever do that. Although I should never say never, but I don't think they'll ever do that. I think the world championship and the way the points are awarded are sacred. That's why guys like me weren't happy with the sprint qualifying results given points. I didn't like that. I, I think you give points to racing. These are world championship points for crying out loud. They're valuable. And they shouldn't just be handed off because you had a good run in a sprint race. I mean, remember how George Russell got emotional when he had finally got points for Williams? Yeah, he got points with Mercedes in Bahrain last year. But we got him for Williams, a team that he started his Formula One career with, a team that he was so emotionally attached to that was fighting just to try to get something. And when they finally did, when they finally got those points, he shed some tears because those points have real emotional value. You start throwing them out for little things like sprint races and finishing seventh in a sprint race, they lose value. Unfortunately, they lose value. And I don't want that to happen. All right. We should be back early next week with the Mexico Grand Prix review. Who is going to be on top of the podium and what does the championship look like? Of course, we're going to discuss news and notes that are going to go on in the Grand Prix. How did it all play out? I cannot thank you guys enough for listening to this. I really appreciate it, especially this episode because I'm a little I'm a little under the weather, so this is not my normal sounding voice. So I really appreciate you putting up with it. You've made this so much fun this year. I can't wait to see what we're going to do in in season two uh, when we get ready to roll in 2022. But we will have the Mexico Grand Prix review coming up next week. Again, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do so at F1 Overtake Pod. That's at F1 Overtake Pod. We are on Facebook at the F1 Overtake Podcast. You can find us there. Also, subscribe. Please leave us a five-star review if you like what we're doing. It really does help us grow the channel. Really do appreciate you listening. All right, we'll be back next week for the preview of the Mexico Grand Prix. Enjoy it this weekend. It's one of the best races in terms of atmosphere you will see on the calendar. I'm Tony Vizieri, and this is the Overtake F1 Podcast.